toward the end of July, I was approached by a gentleman in this church that I did not know very well, who asked me how my family was doing. So I shared with him that my wife is pregnant with our fourth, and that there's a chance that Jesus doesn't love me because it's a fourth boy. (laughs) And the man uh, whose name I won't mention, because he'd probably get mad at me, he leaned in a little bit and he said, How, how's this pregnancy going? I mean, I know you guys have had some trouble with a pregnancy in the past, and how's your wife doing with this one? And immediately my heart was really warmed. This man had remembered something from over two years ago from a sermon I had preached about our family's journey through a particular pregnancy. So I was excited to share with them that um, so far things were going really well, in this pregnancy, other than the fact that July was just so darn hot, and our house doesn't have AC, and we have one little portable AC unit that uh, my sister-in-law gave to us uh, that we use in our boys' bedroom, but our bedroom's pretty warm, and that's uncomfortable for any pregnant woman. And the man nodded, and we went about our ways. And the next morning, I got a phone call from this man, and he wanted to arrange a meeting with me at the coffee shop. And so we did, and he walked in, and he handed me a gift card with a considerable amount of money on it. And he said, I want you to go, I want you to go get a portable AC unit for your bedroom so that you and your wife can sleep comfortably. It was an incredibly refreshing act of generosity. Incidentally, my wife and I also happened to be lacking a private jet to travel the world. <laughs> If anyone is feeling extra generous this morning. Resources transformed. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you could turn with me to Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 23. And as you're turning there, um, I want to just make a note about what I mean when I say the word resources this morning. It's not going to be limited to a financial conversation, and I don't think a conversation about resources ever should be. I I mean, whatever God has put into you or or given you that he could use to impact someone positively for his kingdom. That's what I mean by resources. Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 23, we're going to read about 10 verses. Paul says this, but now that there is no longer any place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing to see you for many years, I plan to do so on my way to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for some time. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia, they were pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain, and I will visit you, Rome, on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ." And so I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join with me in this struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I might be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem would be acceptable to the saints there, 
so that by God's will I might come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. Paul's longed to see the church in Rome for many years now, and there's got to be a reason why it's taken him a long time to get there. And I think for us to understand why it's taken Paul several years to finally get there, we have to rewind to Romans chapter 1. You don't have to turn there, but I'll put it on the screen, where Paul says to the, Rome, to the church in Rome, I want you to know, brothers, that I have often planned to visit you, though for now I've been prevented, that I might reap some harvest among you as I have also had among the Gentiles. For I have an obligation, he says, to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. And so in as much as is in me, I long to preach the gospel to those of you who are in Rome. So Paul's telling the church in Rome, I, I, I can't wait to see you. I hope that God works it out by his will that I eventually get to come there, but I've been a little busy. I've had an obligation. I've had resources to use. I've had something that God has put into me that needs to be let out. See, Paul's gotten pretty clear about who God has made him to be and what God has asked him to do. It's Paul's job to get the gospel to the Gentiles. And I believe that a proper posture toward resources begins with a refreshed perspective toward providence, an understanding that God has made me to be me, not you or anybody else, with all of my story, all my baggage, all my pain, all my talent, all my treasure, I have something to offer the world. If you know Paul's story, Paul's story was wrought with a lot of really ugly and painful baggage that he brought into his relationship with God. And it proved to be the perfect crucible for God to wield a messenger to the Gentiles. And you go, yeah, but I'm not Paul. I mean, Paul was for real. Paul, Paul was the man, and I'm a little bit less than that, which is ironic because Paul thought he was a little bit less than you. He, he said it this way. He said, I became a, a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Jesus. So Paul goes, I'm less than you. And I don't care who you are or whether you believe it or not, this morning God has made you to be you and I want you to be reminded of that. Not anybody else with all of your story, all your baggage, all your pain. God's put some stuff into you that needs to be let out. He's, he's given you a, a bag of resources, as it were. I love the game of basketball. The commentators in the game of basketball these days have added a line that they use to describe the way that a, a player will show off his repertoire of skills during a game. They call it reaching into your bag. He's been in his bag lately. And I wonder if, if you've been in your bag lately. Are, are there some resources in your bag that um, you're not sure are in there because it's been a while since you've looked around? 
Or there's some resources in your bag that um, maybe it's just you're a little bit afraid to pull them out because it would require a little bit of risk or some time or effort on your part. Or maybe you're just a pretty humble Christian. And you, you get the point. You realize that the Christian life is about uh, letting others go first and really God should get the glory after all. And Josh, you don't know my life right now. It's a little bit messy. And I want to be sure that um, if I'm going to pull out my repertoire of skills that my motives are pure first or I clean up this mess first. And I remember a moment of personal angst in my life around this issue, and I said to a friend of mine, I just, I just don't, I don't think I can preach anymore right now. Uh, there's some stuff going on inside of me, and um, I mean, I've read the warnings in James that not many of you should presume to be teachers, my dear brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And I mean... <laughs> I cognitively, I know that when I preach, I know God's supposed to get the glory, but it just feels like, most of the time, it feels like I want it. And my friend said to me, Josh, when do you think that's going to go away? I said, it'll probably be two or three years before I'm that mature. <laughs> I said, uh, probably, probably not for a long time. And he said something profound to me. He said, um, so preach and trust that Jesus was judged more strictly on your behalf. And I wonder this morning if you need to hear maybe what I need to remind myself of that um, there's a chance that it's not your desire for humility that's keeping you from reaching into your bag. It could be your pride. It could be the fact that you've bought the lie that it's about you in the first place. And maybe this morning you need to be reminded that um, if preaching's your thing, there's people out there that need to hear the message. And if service is your thing, there's people out there who need genuine help. And if encouraging people is your thing, then there's people out there who need genuine encouragement. And if contributing to the needs of others is your thing, there's people out there with real needs. And Paul's been in his bag lately and now, by the end of this letter to the church in Rome, he's looking around going, yeah, my, my work here is done. I mean, there's no longer any place for me to work in these regions, and Rome, I've been longing to see you for many years, and, and I'm coming, and it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be refreshing. But before I get to you, Rome, there's this little task that God has put in front of me. I'm the middleman in this little bit of love that's coming from here and going to there. Macedonia and Achaia, they were pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. And he specifically names the recipient of this contribution as the poor. And then he goes on to say, they were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. He's making a commentary on the nature of poverty. He's delineating between being spiritually poor and materially poor. 
the Greeks were essentially spiritually poor, and because of the gospel, they now have gotten to share in the riches of the family of God. And so Paul says they owe it to the Jews to share with them and to contribute to the material equitability of the poor among them. There's a a principle at work here. I recently read part of a book by a guy that I actually went to Covenant College with, a guy named Michael Rhodes, who has done a significant amount of work in the area of poverty alleviation in Memphis and around the world. And Michael wrote a book called Practicing the King's Economy. And in it he says that um, Jesus invites his people everywhere to embody an equitable economy in which everyone has a place to stand and a portion to steward. It's Acts 2.44. It's the way the early church operated. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. And it sounds really great. And you read a book like that and you get really excited. And the only problem is it's a, it's a struggle. It turns out that practicing the king's economy isn't that easy. It turns out that church gets really messy Resources get abused. Givers get taken advantage of. My dad told me a story recently about a church he led in West Tennessee where one of the elder gentlemen in the church came to him in February when he got his annual giving statement. And he said, Jim, you've, you've grossly underestimated the amount of money that I gave to this church this year. And dad said, what do you mean? And the man said, well, every Sunday I would come in and I would put my name on an envelope and I'd take out a wad of cash and put it in that envelope and seal it up and put it in the box that sat in the back of the church. The box that sat in the back of the church Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon and Sunday night and then was rolled into the office on Monday morning by two really trustworthy employees for collecting and counting. So a camera was set up. It was discovered that the sound tech A young man, engaged to be married, strapped for cash, had been making regular visits to the church on Sunday afternoon. He had made it a little device that was thin enough to uh, fit down between the slot, and he could pull out envelopes and cash that people had put in the box. He was putting the empty envelopes behind loose paneling in the wall in the church, and he was putting the cash in his pockets. Well, the young man was invited for a sit-down with the lead pastor and the lead elder the next morning. When he walked in, they simply just pushed play. The young man was caught. Dad said, I've got two options here. I can maybe work out an arrangement by which you pay back what you've stolen from this church, or I can call the cops. Please don't call the cops. Anything, I'll do anything. You cannot call the cops. I most certainly can call the cops. What's stopping me? Sir, I'm engaged to the sheriff's daughter. (laughs) True story. And in light of the messiness in our world and our own messiness, it's really easy to sort of just throw up the white flag and be done with it all. I don't really trust the church anymore. I don't necessarily trust the person sitting next to me. What are they doing with my resources? I'm closing up my bag for a little while. 
And if you've been there, I can't say that I blame you. I mean, if people close up their bag for any number of reasons. And many of us, we, um, without knowing it, we close up our bag every week. We come in and we give when the offering comes around, or we serve in an area each week, and, um, or maybe we set up our giving online, and we don't even really think about it on a Sunday. It's just kind of done, and that's our, that's our contribution to the movement of resources in the kingdom, and then, and then we're kind of done. And I've done that with preaching when I'm with the, with the students and I get in my car finally after a Sunday and I just whew, don't have to think about that for a week. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't let the tithe that's behind you keep you from the task that's in front of you. Resist the temptation to just Check the box and check out. Whether it's in a season of life or on a weekly basis, maybe you're in here this morning and you're just old. (laughs) And you've given faithfully your whole life to the church. Or or you've, you've, not financially, but you've served in your place of work. You, you, you've served your business and you've served the people around you and you've even, you've even used the, the gifts that God has given you in a, in a powerful and impactful kind of a way. Or maybe you're a young person in here and you're looking in your bag going, spiritually, I, I don't exactly know what's there quite yet and materially, my bag has a hole in the bottom of it and there's not really a whole lot there and, and, I, and, I, and I just want to encourage you Paul, Paul had emptied himself. He, he had gotten the gospel to the Gentiles. I mean, he had spent himself. And just because Paul had emptied himself on, on behalf of getting the gospel to the Gentiles, it, it, didn't mean, it didn't mean Paul was done. He had eyes to see the task that God had put in front of him. I think I have a... Yeah, he says, so after I've completed this task and have made sure that they've received this fruit, I will go to Spain and I will visit you on the way. And the fact that Paul had emptied himself, it, it didn't mean he was done. It, it was actually the very thing that allowed him to say the next part of this verse. Hey, Rome, I know that when I come to you, I'm coming in the full measure of the blessing of Christ Jesus. But, because... All my life, he's been faithful. I've just been around too long. I've seen the goodness of God. And so when I come, this train is coming. I'm, I'm, it's not over for me. I'm not tired. Uh, I'm, I'm coming, and it's going to be refreshing. And Paul asked the believers in Rome to pray with him that um, he would be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that his service in Jerusalem would be acceptable to the saints there. And other versions say favorably received, that his service would be favorably received. Have you ever tried to give a gift to someone who just wasn't in a place to receive it? I mean, what if Paul lands in Jerusalem and the, the saints in Jerusalem are, are just like, nah, we're, we're good. Or, Paul, oh, man, we just don't, I, we don't deserve that. We can't take that from you. Or maybe they just completely are ignoring 
their current state of poverty. And whether you're the giver or the receiver of a gift in God's kingdom, uh, the advancement and the acceptance of provision requires or necessitates that you get acquainted with your own personal poverty. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says to the church in Rome, hey, I've got a gift for you. And it actually is not a financial gift. It was more of a spiritual gift. He says it this way. He says, I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you so that we might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Mutually encouraged or mutually refreshed. And then, that's in Romans 1, and then he spends the next 15 chapters completely obliterating their sense of self-righteousness, their sense of self-sufficiency or their tendency toward, nah, we're good. Nine years ago, I, I memorized the book of Romans. It took me 12 months. And I want to give you a funny little challenge this morning. Leave here and spend the next 12 months memorizing the book of Romans. <laughs> and then come back to me, come back to me after 12 months and tell me that you're not just a little bit more acquainted with your own sense of personal poverty. That book will rip you in half and then it'll show you the goodness of the gift of God. And during that time in my life, I remember being at a Denny's in Seattle at 4.30 in the morning with a friend of mine. We were on our way out after a friend's wedding. And it was a, it was a Seattle morning. It was cold and rainy and wet. And we ate our breakfast and then we went out to our car. And on the way out, um, we passed a young man who had clearly been out all night. He was soaking wet, cold, and miserable. And I turned to the young man and I, and I said, young man, I, I, I hope you stay warm. And no sooner had the words come out of my mouth than my friend had taken off his jacket and put it on the young man's back. And we got in the car and this old dead guy named James started speaking in my ear. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to him, go in peace, I wish you well. Keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? And dear friends, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Appreciate that one, James. I'm feeling really good right now. And do you know the difference between my friend, who, who was the son of a multimillionaire who grew up on the south side of Boston, and myself at the time? He was just a little bit more acquainted with his own sense of personal poverty. Interestingly enough, so was the church in Macedonia. I mean, upon first reading of Romans chapter 15, it's easy to assume that the church in Macedonia was getting along really well. Clearly, they were the rich helping the poor. And then you read 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 4. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty 
welled up in generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. Paul, whatever you do, let us just be a part of the movement of resources in the kingdom. We don't have a whole lot, but um, we're here and we're ready. And so Paul says to the church in Rome, uh, Rome, I'm going I'm to give you a gift here. I'm going I'm to let you in on this, and I want you to be a part of this. I want you to pray with me, even though these resources aren't yours, they're not even mine, and they're not even going to you. I want you to join in with me and pray that Jerusalem would receive well so that by God's will I can come to you with joy, most likely telling the story of God's faithfulness in this whole process, and together with you be refreshed. And our participation in the movement of resources, it's not just a weekly rinse and repeat game of road obedience. It's an invitation for us as South Fellowship Church to get to participate in the refreshing of the kingdom. Now I'm going to give you four really practical ways that you can uh, participate maybe in taking a step toward being a refresher of the kingdom this week. Number one, do a resources inventory. Open up your bag a little bit. See what's in there. If you need help from someone, if it hadn't been a while since you've done this, if you want to sit down with someone that can help, maybe help you talk through what's in there, what do I have spiritually, what do I have materially, maybe try to set up a time to do that in the near future. Give a gift outside of your regular routine this week. Uh, maybe you're like our family and, and you do your tithing online and it's just kind of, that's what you do, and you don't even think about it. But maybe there's an opportunity this week where you could give something out of your normal routine, either financially or with your time or with your other resources. You could step into a, a new opportunity. And if you do that, um, pair it with prayer. This was a suggestion that Aaron had. But maybe you, maybe you give this gift, and as you're giving it, even just to yourself, you, you pray the Lord's Prayer. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven with this gift. And then finally, if you're presented with a gift this week, open your hands. Just whatever's going on, even if you feel like you shouldn't take it or whatever, just, just accept it this week and let yourself be refreshed in the kingdom. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we recognize, Lord, that um, every good and, and perfect gift is from you, raining down from the Father of heavenly lights. And Father, I pray that um, as we go about this next week in our lives as individuals and as families and as a body here, um, that we would see our resources not just as a box that we check off, but as an invitation from you to, to be a part of your commitment to the renewal, of all, the renewal of all things. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us in the past and your promise of goodness to us in the future. In Jesus' name.